Hello, my name is Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to our Thursday episode of the 905er. Uh, we are coming at you with a very big week, it seems, in the in the 905 region. Before we uh, get to our, our stories that we want to talk about, uh, I'm going to make a quick shameless plug for our Patreon. Uh, we would like... If you've been enjoying the work that we've been doing and the podcast so far, we can't do it for free, unfortunately. And we need your support and your financial contributions to help us keep the lights on at 905er headquarters. Uh, the benefit is if you do sign up uh, for our basic entry level, we have nifty looking card decals that we can you can put in your car window so you can let everybody as you're stuck in traffic or parked in the parking lot know that you are a 905er podcast listener please make sure that you sign up the link is in the show notes description and now on with the show so roland what's happened in the 905 this week well a whole bunch eh? um and it kind of comes back to that point we made in Tuesday's episode with, uh, with, uh, San Grewal, uh, that, uh, you know, this, we're not a backwater anymore, you know, by, yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. You know, everything that's happening with COVID, uh, with development, with highways, it's all 905. Um, which, you know, brings us also ties in ni- nicely to the, to the need for, for patron supporters and things like that so that we can, um, well, we'd really like to get into some, you know, investigative type journalism stuff, you know. Um, and there's certainly, I know the stories that we've both been work, working on in our free time, you know, at the moment. Um, you picked up on a story in uh, the Burlington Post or Inside Halton from last week uh, about um, something that Burlington's doing with how they're handling their, their uh, parks, specifically Spencer Smith Park, I think, this this summer. Um, and, uh, well, I'll, I'll hand that back over to you to sort of, sure. uh, to talk about that. But, um, it, it certainly, well, it raised a couple of questions in my mind and you can uh, well, say the questions it raised for you. I mean, the story in the, in the, on insidehalton.com, uh, uh, basically the city of Burlington is going to introduce a park ambassador program, uh, program, um, this year to help curb, uh, the the number of crowds, large crowds that we're seeing in our public parks due uh, to the pandemic. It's understandable. We have limited options, it seems, these days with how to spend our free time. And we all want to get out and enjoy the the warm summer air and get a breath of fresh air. And so we go to our parks, go to to walk, bike, hike, uh, you know, what you normally do in a park. That's understandable. It's what else are you going, going to do? Uh, the problem is we all tend to do it at the same time, causing large crowds to uh, to congregate in the more popular parks in the city. Again, that's a natural thing. To curb that, though, the city is going to spend $350,000 of tax dollars uh, to create a park ambassador program. And what does a park ambassador do? Glad you asked. Presumably not really a whole lot of anything from what I can tell. Um, the idea is uh, as crowds build in the park, uh, if they need to call uh, the maintenance crews to come in to clean up, you know, garbage, ma- whatever, 
they can call them to come in. Uh, they can remind everyone to maintain a, the dis, their social distance uh, due to COVID-19 in case somehow they've been under a rock for the last year and a half. Uh, and if there are large crowds that are not willing to disperse or keep their distance, uh, they have the authority to call someone with authority, meaning the bylaw enforcement, to come in and issue tickets or, or whatever action needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um this is going to cost us, at least here in Burlington, the Burlington taxpayer, $350,000. And they'll be focused primarily on Spencer Smith Park, which is, for those who are not aware, uh, in the 905 Spencer Smith Park here in Burlington is the waterfront park. It's very popular. Not a lot of space, but it is the, the kind of the main uh, congregation park, I guess you could call it. Uh, down by the waterfront. Very beautiful in the summertime, very popular, understandably, but $350,000 to primarily focus these ambassadors to be able to call a bylaw official if cases get out of hand. Um, my my beef with it, in case you haven't been able to tell, is I, I think I think <laughs> this is a waste of tax. I mean, if, if this is an issue, which it very well probably could be, why wouldn't you just call Tell the Halton bylaw officers, patrol the park on a bright, sunny, sunny summer day, uh, on especially on a weekend when you know there'll be a lot of people able to get out and walk. Have Just tell bylaw, patrol the parks a little bit more frequently. That's all you have to do. My, my question is, well, I feel like the city handled the whole issue of parks very badly last year. Uh, and it is part of my beef with uh, well, let's just say it might be, especially with the mayor, for having started out um, literally going around town with a bullhorn looking for people to shout yes, at, yes. Um, to get, tell them to get indoors. Um, you know, this sounds like a really cheap shot, and it's difficult. I know these people better than I know politicians in other cities, and, and I, I feel uncomfortable, but hell i've got i'm not much of a of a news and media show if i don't say what i think it was already quite clear early in the pandemic that the safest place to be was outdoors um short of actually just being in your own house with the door shut and yet we had uh, a really very heavy-handed approach to don't go outside which which gave no um, credence to people who lived in uh, apartments, people with young families. It was just stay the hell indoors. If you do go outside, walk on the street where you live. Well, if you if you live in an apartment downtown, the street where you live actually is right by the park, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know it, it's safe. You know there were people talking about closing down lanes on roads which were lying completely empty so that people could cycle. No, can't do that. Too dangerous. Uh, and they. they Acted like that then. Then they got to the fall, and it was like, uh, "No, we want all the stores open, uh, you know, and keep us out of all this thing because we're so much better than the rest of Ontario." That panned out really well, didn't it? And now they're paranoid because they screwed it up last year. And a few um, uh, uh, bylaw officers, um, regrettably, absolutely regrettably, ended up facing frustrations from from members of the public, which I'm not excusing. There's no excuse for for uh, abusing people who are just trying to do their job. Uh, I suspect that this, this reflects a degree of of trying to spin things in a more positive direction. Certainly the article in the Post 
is again it's something <laughs> my beef with the story is almost the, the the way that the post deals with things like this this is almost like a, a press release from the city that they have taken had a quick phone call with a counselor um and kind of just thrown up on on the front of the website it's it's you know it's like is this journalism really and i'm not saying that i'm the best because i'm doing this in my evenings at whatever hour and i'm i'm just commenting more than journal like journalizing <laughs> um but it's like boy this 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 isn't you know ask some questions you know ask the next question what, what are the implications of this why 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 can't that 350,000 be pay be used to hire a uh, be hired to hire actual bylaw officers uh, why can't you use the easily controllable entrances and exits to the park as a way of, of controlling numbers, uh, which was something that was suggested by people last week. I mean, it's been too quick to kind of shame people for going to the park when it's literally the only place you can go. Uh, and then I, I, I just, not take the kind of responsibility to themselves to do the job properly. It as, it, it's almost like a solution looking for a problem. Uh, because... I, I don't know. I, I've I've never heard of a COVID nineteen outbreak from a park gathering. I I know that I've been I've been I've been I remember going out looking for on a weekend where my my family and I are just looking to get out of the house. We say let's go for a walk through a park. You know, Spencer Smith was one, and we get there and it is we think it's too crowded. So we say okay, move on. We're, we're going to find something else to do. Go for a walk in the neighborhood. Um, I I I always wondered why just couldn't just a couple of police bylaw officers just patrolling up and down the park just the presence alone would be enough to to break that up break up the the the, the commotion um, I, I I'm puzzled as to why this why we have to go spending three hundred and fifty thousand dollars of our tax dollars on this problem when I've never I mean if this was such a if it is such a problem if people are gathering in the park so and this is such a, a an epicenter of COVID nineteen which I don't believe it is then maybe it's prudent to shut down the parks the problem is it's not it's just we need to look like we're we're proactive on COVID nineteen mm-hmm. and yet you're you're right Roland for the last. Last two lockdowns, um, all the Halton mayors have written letters to the premier saying, "No, we're we're special, we're exceptional. Don't lo- don't put us into lockdown measures." And what happens? Oh, everybody goes out, they congregate, they they help spread COVID nineteen. Um, this, you know, something that we we've talked about numerous, numerous, numerous times on this podcast is the messaging surrounding how to live with this is so muddled and confusing from all levels from the fe- the federal provincial and municipal governments when people are asking how do i live my life you say you say oh parks are safe you know it's safe to go outside get a go get some exercise outside go for a run ride your bike go for a walk with your family go you know go enjoy a maybe a picnic with your family outdoors enjoy this bright summer air while we can uh you know all that safe, and now you're saying, "Well, it's too it's too dangerous that we're going to have to put park ambassadors to curb to do crowd control." And I'm just like, they're, "But there's so, even if you wanted to do that, it's so ineffectual. It's, it's borderline on just again. You you just you're like like you just have three hundred fifty thousand dollars sitting around on a budget. And say, what are we going to do with it? I don't know. Give it to some some schlub in a vest 
walking through Spencer Smith Park, and he can go ask uh, ask the the the, the crowd of anti maskers to uh, kindly leave. And when they spit in his face, oh, that, now we go call the bylaw. It, yeah, I, 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 it doesn't it doesn't sit well with me either. Um, the whole and it it, it it has that overtone again of you guys, you public, you're not behaving properly, you know, and and which. The public has done what it's been asked to do every time it's been asked to do it properly. <laughs> um, when people do dumb things, it's often because the rules are not clear. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like exactly like one of the kind of conspiracy theorists who says, you know, I've done my research. But, you know, I've read a few scientific articles peer-reviewed about transmission outdoors, and no one's been able to, no one's been able to show that it doesn't happen, because it's very, very difficult to show it doesn't happen, but to show that it does happen either. On that, on that note, wouldn't it make more sense for the city to spend that $350,000 to encourage, especially in the downtown area where we have a number of very lovely restaurants and bars, um, who are all suffering now because now we're in lockdown number three. Who knows? Maybe we'll be in lockdown number four by the end of this. Um, but they are they are hurting financially as we enter into the warmer months to encourage that those that you go downtown, order takeout, take your meal to the park, and enjoy on maybe um, some park benches that you can you and your family could enjoy a meal from a, a local restaurant outdoors on a hot summer day. That's what you do now. Maybe close off the streets, uh, uh, you know, cl close off some of the streets for the downtown, put some benches and say, you know what, we're going to have walking promenades. You go, you take your coffee, you take your, your, your fish and chips, your burger, whatever. And you go, you go sit with your family around a, a table outdoors and enjoy the downtown, walk it off. That kind of stuff. Something, you know, think outside the box. How do you, how do you help? Instead of just saying, well, just sort of, you know, order takeout and then say, oh, we're special. Give us special permission. Come up with actual solutions to encourage uh, the small businesses to help them through this. And, and it, yeah, um, and I'm not going to blame the whole council for that because I know that it's not the whole council that has brought this to pass, this lack of imagination around things like that. Uh, there have been councillors who, who were pushing in the early days for things like you just mentioned, uh, a more innovative approach, uh, doing the kind of things that were happening in in, uh, in Paris, where they, you know, they, they immediately opened this huge network of cycle lanes in Paris or within days. Boy, I don't think there's any city in North America who can do some, make a decision that quickly. But um, the committee of, of people who are actually running the city during the emergency, which is the mayor, the the uh, city manager, and the kind of heads of department, which does not include the other councillors, uh, basically stopped pretty much everything uh, in those early days. And, and I haven't really seen any sign of any great imagination uh, happening since. Um, I get that people are risk averse. So any new idea is like, well, no, maybe it's risky. Maybe it's now is the it. time We're in a to crisis. Try. Now is, it, now well, is the time yeah. for innovation, for risk taking and to try new things to spur economic growth. We, if we, if you want the downtown to be full of small 
independently owned businesses, now's the time to start innovating and actually put in infrastructure to help them survive. Not well wishes, not tweeting, hey, go take out today. Like actually give people a reason to go down, order takeout and give them a place to sit around. So maybe the dude, you know, yeah, you go to have takeout in one spot, go for dessert in another. You walk and you do maybe do some shopping if you can uh, provide it. But th- this, this is just, it's a, to, to me, it's just a waste of resources and it's a lack of imagination. It's it's lazy is what it is. It's really lazy on the part of Burlington. And I'm, I'm hoping it's not something that's not replicated across the 905. I mean, if anybody's living in another community in the 905 and you hear your, your city or town is thinking about doing this, tell them no. Tell them set up public areas around where your restaurants and your small businesses are to encourage people to eat there, to dine there. If you can turn your cities into walking, using the opportunities places. that COVID has brought about to extend. That's yeah. you know yeah. we need to start thinking of change. That's how we're going to do this. Okay, so as second story tonight is uh, well, it's COVID. Guess what? And uh, there's been some big developments, and they're all well, most of them happening in. The 905 region, starting with Peel yesterday, literally as we were recording our last uh, episode, uh, and really amounts to, seems to me anyway, the uh, you know our regional officials giving up on the province and saying, okay, if you won't do it, we will. Which which about time, <laughs> uh, uh, good for them and about time. But but is that the way you see it? I, I view it as a nice, neat and tidy Canadian rebellion uh, <laughs> that's happening with our, our public health officials. And, and uh, kudos to them. I I, I think they uh, need our encouragement and our support right now because they are the, 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 one, the ones who are clearly fed up with pleading up the, up the ladder pleading up the command chain and getting these wishy-washy mixed message, um, you know, wait, wait and see big news is coming. We're going to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll turn this province around before you can say spit kind of attitude from uh, premier Doug Ford and minister uh, Lecce and minister Elliot and the, and the rest of them. Um, I, I can, ima- I, I don't know this. I, I'm not a, but I can imagine that, Part of this has to be just an absolute frustration of we see the science. We've done this twice now. They haven't followed our requests. I'm taking my, you know, I'm taking the, the awesome powers that have been entrusted to me under the act and I'm implementing it. And um, I, I, I do want to emphasize that um, while the, the news is on Dr. Lowe at, at Peel Public Health for taking the initiative, he is not alone in this. Far from it. Um I, I, we're just going, I'm going through it. We know that, uh, Wellington Catholic, uh, in Guelph is, uh, going, uh, they're closing their schools. Niagara, I believe Niagara, Re- Niagara region is also closing. Um, there is, uh, upper, uh, the upper grand, uh, district school board. Um, uh, and then today the big news, big, big news was that Toronto was going, uh, uh, close. So, and clearly there, there are other, public health uh, units in various degrees of COVID spread who are saying, no, the, the, the science, we're not waiting for the numbers to get to there. The point is to take action now. So the numbers do not reach 
the catastrophic level. But I mean, we're at, I mean, we're at three thousand plus reported new cases um, uh, daily almost these days. So I don't know really. I don't know what the province is waiting for in terms of a, a threshold. Uh, but it's it's clear that this has thrown um, thrown the, the our provincial leadership off off kilter. Uh, this is really they they did not see this coming. Uh, mostly because if you saw if you watched Doug Ford's press conference, especially today today is Tuesday, April sixth that we're recording. Uh, if you watch him today, the news is you know if you're saying that schools are so safe, why is it that you have Doctor Lowe and and his colleagues at the various public health units closing them down. And it's a very legitimate point that, you know, either you try at this point, you either, you trust Doug Ford or you trust the public health officers. Um, it's my, my, my faith is in the public health officers. You know, they're the ones who are on the front lines. They've, they've spent their entire career studying this, the science behind this, the, the news behind this. When they, when they're looking at the numbers, they, that's the conclusion that they come to. I'm inclined to say, okay, I, I believe you, which is kind of what you would hope the leadership would say. Okay, well, we'll have to figure out how to how to do this properly. I mean, it's it's a case of it's been a, the, the whole experience has been interesting for me in, in watching a, a very different country from the one I grew up in, in how it is governed <clears throat> and how it's decentralized, and uh, and I've been frustrated at times that the that the central government has been so unwilling to uh to have the spine to make a decision um i mean i guess the saving grace is that because we are so decentralized that our regions can then say well screw you we're going to do it anyway it's taken an awfully long time um and and i think it's because people are clearly losing any remaining faith i mean the people who 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 thought Doug was doing okay? I think those days are, are, are must be approaching over. The last few people who still think Doug is doing an okay job must be giving up. Well, I, I, this is a mess. Well, I, I and mean, the numbers now are just horrendous. The numbers are climbing. Uh, you know, the the it's clear the the province is hoping. Oh, we'll just vaccinate people and this whole thing will go away. The problem is they're screwing that plan up as well. I know we we've we've mentioned it before. Uh, on the podcast, but I think it bears repeating. Uh, you know, today uh, I, I did a quick tweet out, and there's about 1.7 million doses in Ontario sitting in freezers. Like 1.7 million. That's it, that's not a supply issue anymore. It's clearly a logistical issue. Uh, you know, I'll give the I'll give credit where it's due. Finally, finally, Doug Ford and Minister Elliott uh, have come to their senses and heard the cry, the cries of the professionals uh, out there saying, we need to go where the disease is, go into the postal codes uh, that are most in, in, infected with COVID, go to the workplaces, the warehouses, the f- essential working, uh, essential wor- workers who are so important for our economy to keep going. Yeah, and then the nightmare scenario, like we said, that that this disease would change, would uh, would would start, would find a way to affect younger people, is happening. Uh, the people in the ICUs are not uh, the people in long term care anymore. Well, for one reason, I guess, because those guys have been vaccinated. Thank goodness. 
but also because it's the workers in the factories and the warehouses who are getting it, who have not been given the time, the ability to have sick days, all these other things. This is a Doug made problem. Uh, we didn't need to have three waves. We didn't need to have two. You know, and when we started this podcast, I didn't want to be an anti-provincial, predictably anti-provincial thing. It's not what we're about. But this is a failure of colossal extent. Um, a, a failure of intelligence and, and planning and, and, and given acres of time to get this stuff in order. The vaccines are here. You need to put them in the car, take them to the, you know, and it's, well, we're not going to use doctors. We're not going to use pharmacies. We're not going to use, what the bloody hell? Why not? Just get it to whoever is qualified to use a needle and stick it in someone's arm. I don't get it. Like, clearly, there's a failure here. There's a failure of operations. There's a failure of logistics. There's a failure of planning or failure of imagination to come up with how do we do this? And it's, you know, instead we got, we got the blame game, right? It's Justin Trudeau's fault. It's the people's fault. They're not, they're not following the, the guidelines. Okay. We're going to change this. It's, it's, it's everybody's fault, but Doug Ford's and Doug and, and, and this provincial government. And we, why is that? And I said, I, the only solution I could come up with was is hubris. They just blame Justin Trudeau because I run out of people to blame. The people of Ontario don't like being me telling them, "Oh, stay indoors." When I told them, you know, when I can when I canceled their March break, because I said, "Hey, we need I need you to do this so we don't get a third wave," and then the third wave arrives, and the people of Ontario say, "You canceled our our March break so that we are you postponed our March break so that we didn't have to be in this situation. We're in this situation. Do you know what you're doing?" He then says, "Oh, it's Justin Trudeau's fault. He didn't get me enough vaccines." The fact is, the supply chain is secure now. We, we, we know that the vaccines are here in the country. We know we have 1.7 million sitting on freezer shelves. This, the, 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 that's on you. That's entirely on you, Doug. Don't tell me that this is safe for some kind of ramp up or that this is, you, you can't get the, the, you have to slow down your, your process. We, I, we, uh, show, saw here in Hamilton, there is at first Ontario center is a mass vaccination clinic. Uh, like a fraction of the possible, only a hundred or so of the of the de- of the designated times were filled out of a possible eight hundred. Like this is there's there's a failure here to get this these things into arms. Um, like this this is on you, Doug. You've this you got to wear this. Yeah, and don't stop blaming. As I've seen from someone who would be well advised not to comment on COVID uh, because of their own little story a couple of months ago when they were out of the country, uh, saying, you know, come on, people, why are you using these things? Well, you, you don't blame people for not filling those appointments. There are millions of people in Ontario who would happily go to those appointments. It's it's the failure to think of the way that, well, A, you're aiming at older people, you're asking them to go through a website, which is... Okay, I design websites for a living. It's fairly fairly simple, but there's about 10 steps you have to go through. You have to select this, that, and other. I know through long experience that you give people a couple of drop-downs, you're going to lose about half your visitors <laughs> right there um, because you're asking all these questions. You know, uh, uh, Do you have this? Do you do right. that? Where do you live? What's your postcode? Uh, you, you have just 
fundamentally boils the whole thing up um, when, when you when you go that right road of asking people to organize it when there's no need for people to organize it for themselves you tell them when to go yep. uh, uh, uh it, it's like I, mean, I keep on saying this phrase it's i'm gonna get it tattooed somewhere prominent uh either on my body or doug's if you if you elect people who think government is useless you'll get a useless government uh, and that's the ultimate problem. These people don't believe in the ability of government to deliver anything. They pre would prefer it doesn't exist. And when you have a crisis like this, it has to exist because government's the only thing that can do it. This is why in a crisis, in a pandemic, in this kind of scale of, of public health emergency, being saying we'll let every region decide which way to go is not the way it really should work. I mean, like I said, these guys are maybe, or some of them, are going to basically be bail us out of the trouble we're in because we've got a moron for a premier um, and a bunch of morons as his government. Um, however, in theory, you know, a pandemic is like a war, right? I mean, this is, we should be on a war footing. We should be doing the extraordinary things that you do in extraordinary circumstances where you move heaven and earth. I'll be honest, my dad came up with, I thought, with the best analogy for this pandemic is that it's not a war at all. It's a forest fire. It, the, the virus is a forest fire and we are the fuel. We're the trees. This thing is, this thing is just burning through us. It will burn through us if we let it. How do we do that? We cut fire breaks. We break the spread by just making a break between the fire line. That's how you fight forest fires, right? You go and you cut a line in the forest and the and the virus just or the the fire just burns itself out. That is a great analogy. Yeah. That's a, that's a, how that's how that's how we need to treat this thing. And instead, the, you know, the the this government seems to just want to well, we'll, we'll you know, we'll we'll just keep you know, bring, we'll bring a fire extinguisher and we'll put out this shrub, and you know, we'll 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 try and throw a bucket on bucket on the uh, on the flames, and maybe that'll be enough to to curb it and. You know what? We'll we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, uh, Doctor Lowe and his colleagues' decisions uh, in the coming weeks will prove to be what is needed to help break the spread of COVID nineteen and to give uh, the the frontline workers the chance to get those needles into. Frankly, arms. you know, frankly, Peel alone, if if Peel were to kind of sort its own problems out, almost. That's almost the same as taking care of Ontario because Peel has been so horrendous, and certainly a firebreak. You know, we to, to use a, an analogy from 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 the wrong country's history. We need Winston Churchill, and we've had Neville Chamberlain. You know, but he's dressed up in Winston Churchill's clothes the whole way. You know, <laughs> it's like Doug's whole thing is like, yeah, I'm the man. I'm going. Don't you forget? He's been so spineless, so pathetic because he doesn't want to upset anybody. Particularly anybody who runs a business, he doesn't want to upset them. In the meantime, he has screwed every business in Ontario. It's a fucking disgrace. Uh, I'm. I've not. I've not heard. I've not heard a teachers' union, which is no surprise there, that is supportive of his measures. I have yet to hear of a small business owner who is supportive of Doug Ford's initiatives. I have yet to hear of another parent who is supportive of Doug Ford right now. I have no idea where he's getting this tremendous polling support. It must be people who have their heads up their own asses at this point because 
I, I, I've, I've no one, I've yet to hear anybody say, yeah, Doug Ford is doing this a bang up job. Unless you are a sycophant or unless you have some kind of financial gain from his government's policies. Uh, I, th- I think that the, at this point, this government has just done a, a horrendous job of mud- muddying the waters, passing the buck, and just tripping over their own feet to get the job done of keeping us safe and getting us through this pandemic. God help us when this is all over, because it'll be entirely on our own shoulders and our own feet that we got through this. No help from Doug Ford whatsoever. I think that's a good place to bring it to an end for today. For now, thanks everybody, and uh, we'll speak to you next Tuesday with the next episode of The 905er. That's it for this episode of The 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>